You're listening to the teaching ministry of Houston's First Baptist Church, a relevant biblical community. For more information, visit houstonsfirst.org. Well, if you got your Bible, I want you to turn to 1 Timothy chapter 4. We've been going through 1 Timothy. It's Paul's letter to Timothy. Timothy's the pastor at the church of Ephesus. And so he's telling him, this is how I want you to be able to, to operate as a church. And so we've been through 1 Timothy 2 in this series of prayers, people, and promises. And so we've been through 1 Timothy 2 on prayers that we're to pray for everyone and to lift up our words in prayer. Then we've been talking about people, the value and the impact of men and women and pastors and deacons. And now we get to promise. We're going to see a promise further on in the scripture. It's going to take us a few verses to get there. But this promise is going to be an amazing promise. You know, the Bible is filled with promises, so many of them that it's hard to actually count all the promises that are in there. One study counted them as this, 8,810 promises in God's word. That's pretty good for 66 books to have 8,810. And uh, 7,487 were for mankind. And we're going to look at one promise today that is going to be able to give us an influence on our entire life. It's going to affect our entire life. Now, we love when things make our life better. I don't know if you know this phrase, I'm sure that you do, but life hacks, that's kind of the deal. That there are certain life hacks that you can figure out how to do something, they'll put it on the internet and say, this is the way you should do this. And then when that happens, everybody goes, oh, wow, it's a big aha moment. So I, I found out about a life hack that I've been doing wrong. It's about how to put your trash bag in the trash can. Okay, so the life hack has been this, or this is what I've done my entire life. First, it takes me about five minutes to get the top open, okay? And then I got to find that. And then I go, and I make a whole bunch of noise, right? And wake up everybody in the house if they're taking a nap. And then I take it and I shove it into the trash can like that. Little did I know I've been doing this wrong my entire life. The way you're supposed to do it, the life hack that you're supposed to have is this. You're supposed to take this trash bag just like this. You find the top and then you take it and you put it on the top like a hat here, like a stocking hat. And then you push it, uh, you come around, you do it like this. And then you push it down like, well, it didn't work, but uh, <laughs> you push it down and now you got it. And now you got your trash bag. That's the life hack you're supposed to do. Okay. Can I get a little round of applause for this hair? How about that? Okay. So Sienna Cypress downtown, you got it now. This is how you do it. And so you've got this way of doing this and this life hack supposed to make your life all the better. So now I've saved three seconds. I can dedicate more to email in my life. Okay. So this life hack we're going to see here though, that Timothy is going to get from Paul is going to change everything. And he's going to show actually, to begin with, there's some things that we need to throw away. And there's things we need to dedicate our life to. There's things we need to eliminate and there's things we need to dedicate. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to show you some things we need to eliminate, some things we need to dedicate, and I'm going to tell you why and how, and we're going to go to the Lord's Supper. So look, if you will, in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1, we're going to read verses 1 uh, through about 7, and here we go. And our main thrust of the message is basically found in kind of 6, 7, and 8. So that's our main part of the message, but here we go. Now, the Spirit explicitly says, that's the Holy Spirit, that in the latter times, the last days, which we're in right now, some will depart from the faith. Now, right there, our hearts should drop and just 
just with sadness. Oh my. The Spirit explicitly says some will depart from the faith. And that's, that's a challenge because we're going to know the names and love some of these people and it's going to happen, unfortunately. Paying attention, why? Why are they going to depart? Because they're paying attention to deceitful spirits and the teaching of demons through the hypocrisy of liars who, whose consciences are seared. They forbid marriage. Now we get into some legalism. They forbid marriage. They demand abstinence from the foods that God created to be received with gratitude by those who believe and know the truth. For everything created by God is good and nothing is to be rejected. If it's received with thanksgiving, since it's sanctified by the word of God and by prayer, if you point out these things to the brothers and sisters, you will be a good servant. Now, that's a key word we talked about last week. That's actually the word deacon. You will be a good deacon. It's not talking about a church office. It's talking about the verb of serving the Lord. You will be a good diaconos of Christ Jesus, nourished by the words of faith and the good teaching so that you have, fo that you have followed, but have nothing to do with pointless and silly myths. Rather, key verse, train yourself in godliness for the training of the body has limited results. We'll go on on that. But verse seven, here's your first point. Here's your first point. Eliminate, have nothing to do with entertaining godlessness. Not godliness, godlessness. So he's saying, I want you to eliminate that. I want you to throw that out. Now there's a heartbreak moment as I showed you in the beginning of the scripture. We said, some people are gonna depart from the faith. Well, how are they gonna do that? Why are they gonna do that? Well, he gives us some examples. He says, well, well first of all, one of them is gonna be, it's gonna be legalism. And I want you to eliminate legalism in your life. What is that? That is rules for rules sake. That's saying that you're just gonna obey this and do this. There's no heart behind it. There's no honoring Jesus behind it. There's no love of Jesus behind it. It's just don't do this, don't do that, do this, do that. It's legalism. And he says, I want you to eliminate that. I want you to take that and I want you to throw it away. And so that's the first thing that he says there. He says, in the legalism of, of their, their forbidding marriage and demanding abstinence from foods, don't worry about the legalism. But at the same time, I don't want you to be living with conscience seared. I don't want you to be living in disobedience because it's gonna pull you away from your faith. And I want you to make sure that you're not living in disobedience from God because I don't want you to leave God in your obedience. I don't want you to leave God in your mindset. I want you to know the obedience is the most blessed thing you could do is walk in obedience to God. He's done this for your good. And so I want you to take this disobedience and I don't want your consciences to be seared. Did you see that? Let me just, just say, it's just FYI. Keep a tender conscience. It's really dangerous when we begin to sear, burn, make numb our conscience. And I want you to throw away disobedience. Eliminate that disobedience. Throw it in the trash can. If you're really gonna walk with God, we gotta throw that disobedience away. We gotta throw that legalism away. And we gotta really make sure that we throw away. He begins with, he says that some are paying attention to deceitful spirits and the teaching of demons. Now that's, that's a big phrase. We have deception all around us. You know what deception is? Deception is, is best uh, kind of tricks us when it's just a little off the truth. It's just a little off. Oral Hershiser was a, a famous pitcher for the Los Angeles Dodgers. And they asked him this, how do you strike out so many people? He says, I find out what the batter wants and I throw it just a little outside. If he loves fastballs, I give him a fastball. Just give it a little outside, a little inside. If he loves curveballs, I give curveballs. 
What is it that your flesh loves? That the enemy could deceive you and just throw it just a little bit outside. Looks like truth, sounds like a good thing, but it's deception. He says, I want you to take that. I want you to eliminate that. And then you got to throw it away. Have nothing to do with, is what it says in verse seven, but have nothing to do with pointless and silly myths. It says then that some are, are walking in hypocrisy, that through hypocrisy of liars, their conscience is seared. So we've got to throw hypocrisy away of saying one thing and living another. We've got to throw that away and say, no, we're going to eliminate that from our lives. We're going to walk with God in a right and true way. We're going to throw that into the trash can. And then lastly, I give you this. What is it for you? What is it for you that pulls your heart away from God? Well, Paul's telling Timothy, I want you to have nothing to do with that godlessness. I want you to take that and I want you to throw it away and get rid of all of those things because I don't want you to be deceived because the Spirit is explicitly saying that some in the latter days will depart from the faith. And it's true for Ephesus and it's true for Houston. And unfortunately, we know people that have departed from the faith. We know people that have left the faith, famous people possibly, people that are close to you that you love. And I just want you to know it should break our heart as believers because it is not worth it and it's a path towards destruction. Now, let me quickly say that I believe and our church believes in eternal security and once saved, always saved. But we know that there's people that, that leave and depart and they say, yeah, I, I became a Christian back then, but now I don't believe and I'm walking away from it. And so in this, this big word, if you wanted a big seminary word, it's apostate. And to be able to walk away, and he says, there's gonna be people that depart from the faith, paying attention to deceitful spirits. Now, of course, some of those could be unsaved and some of those could be just walking in a prodigal journey to come back home, we pray one day. That I hope your heart breaks and I hope that, that when you see somebody walk away, that you will take that as an example and you will say in your own heart, Lord, not me, not me. I'm gonna walk with you. And we have a lot of great little kids in our church and they make me little pictures and write me little notes and it's great. And when I get those, sometimes I think about this. If I walk away from the faith, that mom and dad's gonna have to sit down with that little kid and talk about Pastor Greg's failure. And you might not be a pastor. You're probably not a pastor if you're sitting here, but here's the thing. <laughs> Somebody's gonna have to tell somebody about your lack of obedience and your fail and your fall and you're this and you're that and it's gonna break their heart. It's gonna break their heart. It's gonna break God's heart. Two songs I wanna give you. One from when I was a student in college. Michael W. Smith, I miss the way, the chorus says, I miss the way his love would dance within your eyes. I miss the way his heart was the soul of your life. And somewhere in the saddest part of heaven's room, our father sheds a tear for you. He's missing you too. Another song, it's a recent song, Ben Rector, Heroes. He says, I miss my old heroes. I had to give them all away. I miss my old heroes. I wish they could have stayed. Because it turns out, listen, this is wise. It turns out that the hardest part of growing up is not getting old. It's learning how the real world works. I miss my old heroes. Here's where he says it. I miss my Bible study leader. He had all the answers for living in this big, bad world. I don't know if he still talks to Jesus, but his wife's remarried now and I think he sells garage doors. The breaking of the heart when someone walks away from the love of Jesus should shatter us as believers. And Paul is saying, Timothy, I gotta get you ready, Pastor Timothy because people are gonna walk away. 
And this is how they're gonna walk away. And this is why they're gonna walk away. And this is what we're gonna see in a minute, what they miss out on. So I just tell you, if you've walked away, would you come home? It's not worth it. It is not worth it. You're breaking your heart. You're breaking God's heart. You're breaking your mama's heart. You're breaking your daddy's heart. You're breaking your grandmother's heart. You're breaking your grandfather's heart. You're breaking my heart. You're breaking other people's hearts that loves you. And I'm not putting a guilt trip on you. I'm just asking you, is it worth it? Is it worth it? Or are you living in the trash can when Jesus has got so much more for you? You walk with God and find what we see here, the greatness and the glory for what you were created to do. Now, how do we walk with God then? What does this mean? If we eliminate something, what do we dedicate to? Look at verse seven. It's our key verse. Well, let me show you verse six too. If you point out these things to the brothers and sisters, you will be a good diaconos servant of the Lord, Jesus Christ, nourished. That's not go to a banquet. That's not go to a feast. That's not eat once. That is a continual eating is the way that the verb works. That we're continually dining upon on what? By the words of the faith and the good teaching. It's often a slow drift that you have followed but have nothing to do, we just talked about that, throw it all away with pointless and silly myths. Rather, train yourself in godliness. Train yourself in godliness. So here's what we do. We dedicate, we eliminate and we dedicate. Have everything to do with training and godliness. So have nothing to do with this. Have everything to do with training and godliness. Now, let me give you this Greek word for training. See if you recognize it. It's gymnazo. G-Y-M. Nazo, where do we get gymnasium, right? Gym, go to the gym. This training is saying, I want you to sweat it out. I want you to work it out. I want you to journey in this. I want you to know that Jesus is gonna do something in you, but there's a part where you're gonna work this out too and you're gonna learn and grow. I want you to be trained in godliness. Godliness is not being a better person. Godliness is being conformed into the image of Christ. So it's not just your willpower, I'm gonna just try better. That's not what, at all what the New Testament teaches. The New Testament teaches that by abiding in Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit, God transforms you to look more like Jesus. And you begin to have a distaste for the things of ungodliness, of godlessness. And you have a taste for the things that are a taste of godliness. So Paul is saying, we need to get to the gym of godliness. We need a spiritual workout. We need to put this life hack to work in our life to make a difference. And he's gonna give us this. He's gonna give us a why and he's gonna give us some hows. So let me ask you the why. Why would we walk with godliness? Well, here's the why. And I'm gonna read you the scripture. But I want you to hear it first. The promise of godliness, that's why we walk. We're talking about promise. The promise of godliness is unlimited benefit with eternally valuable. Now, can you think of a better deal than that? You get unlimited benefit it's in the rewards program. Unlimited benefit with eternally valuable things. Now see if you can see this play out in the scripture in verse eight, okay? See if you can pick it out. Verse eight, here's what it says. For the training of the body, so we're talking about training, for the training of the body has limited benefit, but godliness is beneficial in every way. Since it holds promise, do you see promise? For the present life and also the life to come. 
Verse nine, when you hear this in the Bible, we gotta pay attention. This saying is trustworthy and deserves full acceptance. So the why of this, he says, look, physical stuff is of some benefit. That's great, take care of the temple. It's of some benefit, but godliness is for benefit in all things. You can be absolutely physically fit and die tomorrow. But when you walk with God and you trust in his godliness and you walk in that way, it affects not just one area of your life, it affects every area of your life. Every area of your life. Listen to what one commentator said. Godliness affects everything. Our view of ourselves, our marriage, our parenting, our business, our civic responsibilities, our look at the at creation, um, a relationship with our next door neighbors. Nothing es escapes godliness. It covers everything. But physical benefit, it, it covers some things. That's good. We should do that. But it doesn't cover everything like godliness. He says, I want you to know the promise, the life hack, the gift that you have is absolutely, is absolutely encompasses everything that happens in our life. Would you rather train in one area of your life and have a one-to-one -one ratio? You train in this area and you get this area? Or would you rather train in one area of your life and get every area of your life? See, when you train in godliness, you get every area of your life. His illustration, when you train in physical, you get physical, That's in which is great. But we do business. Well, great, you get it with your business. Well, I, I try to do stuff good, stuff where nice people, well, that's great, you get nice stuff. When you go with godliness, you get all of it all together. Now, there's a, an exercise um, that's called the abdominal plank, okay? And you'll know your trainer is mad at you when he wants you to do the abdominal plank, okay? It basically, you get on your tippy toes, you lay down on the ground. It'd be like if I'm on the ground right now, on your elbows, or on your toes there, and you lay there and you just hold in, in a plank position over uh, you know, the ground there. You're doing that and you're holding. And usually if you go like a minute, you're like shivering, okay? And you're doing good to get to a minute, like 30 seconds, 45 seconds, a minute. You're hitting it. Do you know what the world record is for the plank? Talk about training here. The world record for the plank, nine hours, 38 minutes, and 47 seconds. Let me show you this guy. Be encouraged. He's an older gentleman even, right? He is just at the hour mark at that point. He's like, woohoo, when most of us would be like, no, no, right? And so he, for nine hours, 38 minutes, 47 seconds, it's some kind of like state fair. You can Google the video. So people are like got like a sausage on a stick watching him do the plank, you know? <laughs> it's like, what side is not like the other here, right? Got a fried Twinkie going, go brother, go. <laughs> you know, nine hours, 38 minutes, 47 seconds. This dude at some state fair, is getting after it, breaking the Guinness World Book of Records. Now, I got two words for that. Wow. Why? <laughs> That's my two words. Wow. That's amazing. Why would you need to do a nine-hour, 38-minute plank? He's been training a long time for that. But why? It, so what? But when you train for godliness, I can answer the why. I can answer the why very clearly with a huge wow. 
Look what God has done. Look how he took you through that trial. Look how he took you through that grief. Look how you threw that stuff away that you didn't need or want anyway and it got in the trash can and you're glad that it did because you had room now for godliness and God doing something in your heart. So the why is there's an unlimited benefit. There's eternal value. It changes everything. It's a keystone habit is what it is. You know where the keystone is? And an archway, there's a stone. It's usually angled like this and it sits right there at the top. And all those other stones are held together by this keystone. This stone affects all the other stones. A keystone habit is a habit that changes everything else. So let's give this example. If you have family meals and parents and kids sit down, all the bad stuff goes down a lot by percentages and all the good stuff goes up by percentages. This one little meal, this habit of eating together changes our family and our kids and how things walk out. That's a keystone habit. Even on working out, if you eat right and you work out, well, that makes you wake up a little bit fresher in the morning. You're ready for work. You get there. You don't need five cups of espresso to get going for the day. You're ready to go. And so you do a better job. So you get a promotion. So you make more money. So you get more opportunities. So on it goes like that. This one little habit goes further and further and further. This is a keystone habit of spending time with God. I like to call it the cumulative effect. Which quiet time is the one that changed my life? Yes. It's the discipline of spending time with God every single day, praying every single day. Which trial am I glad that he got me through? Yes. Which place of peace did I need? Uh Uh-huh. Which promise do I like best? I love them all and need every one of them. It's a keystone cumulative effect. And so he says, if you will get godliness, then you will go in all sorts of directions. There's a wow and there is a why and it has eternal benefits. Now, let me give you quickly the how. How are we gonna do this? Okay, I'm gonna give you five hows of application of how are we going to do this in godliness. Number one, make a plan, make a plan. We've all heard it said before, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. You got a business plan. You got a plan for how you change your oil. You got a plan for this. You got a plan for your finances. You got a plan for all these things. Have a plan. Where's the place where you spend time with God? When's the time you spend time with God? What's the connection that you spend time with God? How are you connecting with Him? Let me give it to you. Let me ask you, what's tonight? What are you gonna do tonight? How are you gonna spend time with God personally tonight? Well, I went to church, check the box. That's legalism. I don't say, well, I ate breakfast with my wife. I don't have to eat dinner with her. And how's that going to go, ladies? I'd love to eat dinner with you, right? And it's true. I would. I do. I will. Tonight, well, that will happen. I promise, Kelly. I promise. But to be able to have that want to, not have to, well, tonight, what are you going to do? Well, let me give you a real easy one. Take your listening guide. Take this verse of scripture and you take it to the Lord and you go through it on your own and see what God has for you in that. Take your life Bible study lesson that you just just heard and be able to go through that again and say, you know what, let me think about that a little bit more. Wake up tomorrow and just pick the book of Matthew. Pick the book of Ephesians is a a short one. Um, Just six chapters and just read a chapter of the Bible every single day and just find that little, that chair in your house, in your apartment, your place, and just find your place where you spend time with God. Do you ever find you walk into the kitchen and you're not even hungry, but you open up the refrigerator? It's just a habit by the place that we're in. You sit down at the dining room table and you're like, where's my fork? I'm ready to eat. 
You know, you sit on the couch, you grab the remote control. The place promotes the activity. Find a place with God, a time with God, and open up the Bible and just read a chapter a day. Just, just let, it, let it happen. If you don't want to read a chapter a day, read to the break point in the chapter. If you don't read that far, read a verse. And you just start walking with that. Make a plan, make a plan. No one goes to the gym accidentally. Nobody falls into godliness. There's a training that happens. But let me say this, number two, train, not try. I'm not calling you to greater willpower. I'm not calling you to greater effort. I'm not calling you to, to just, come on, get up on your bootstraps. Let's do this. Not calling you at all to that. I'm calling you just to train, not try. A short little green wise person named Yoda said, there is no, there, excuse me, do or do not, there is no try. Do or do not, there is no try. And so I'm saying train. Let this be something that comes in your life for your benefit, that you're walking in godliness. And here's what happens is we're all unbelievers at some point in our life and we make a decision to trust Jesus Christ, God's son, to forgive our sins, to live in our hearts. We place our faith in him. We don't wanna leave that faith as it said in verse one. We wanna keep walking in that faith. And the Holy Spirit lives inside of us and we abide in Christ so that we could say like this, Lord, I'm having trouble spending time with you. Would you help me? And through his Holy Spirit, he gives you the strength to walk it out. And he does it through you as you're conformed and transformed into the image of Christ. So I'm not calling you to try harder. I'm calling you to trust deeper and to let God do something through you and set that time aside. Number three, repeat it to create a habit. Repeat it to create a habit. So now it's something that you just do. This is what you do. You get up in the morning, you brush your teeth. You get up in the morning, you uh, uh, comb your hair. You get up in the morning, you do this. All of us can drive to wherever we go every Monday morning on autopilot because we're just, we, just turn, we just do the thing. We don't even think about it anymore. And that could be dangerous, but we, that's kind of how it goes. It's a habit. This is what we do. Let's let this good habit of godliness that changes everything change our hearts and life. In the book, Atomic Habits, uh, James Clear says, if you just get 1% better at something over the course of time, you will be 37% better in a year. Look at this little graph. It just goes up on the things. If you just 1% better, look at the improvement that goes. 1% worse, look at the decline that goes. So much more happens when we do something good. We get a bigger lift out of it. Consistent time with God every day. May not, may not seem like a big deal, may seem mundane with no impact, but daily time with God accumulates. Put your keys on top of your Bible. And before you grab your keys to go out the door, read your Bible. Put this, uh, I put for years, I had in college, my Bible in front of my, my closet. So I had to either step over God to start my day or I had to step down with God and start my day. And let me tell you what, there's sometimes I stepped over and I felt my conscience. Uh-uh-uh-uh. There's other times I said, I'm not gonna eat physically till I eat spiritually. And I would be starving in the cafeteria line and I'd put my tray up and I'd go into the, to the other part of the cafeteria and I'd pull out my Bible and I'd just read a little bit. Because this is a valuable, life-changing thing. It's not just like one of the options, leather or cloth interior. I wanna walk with God. You wanna walk with God or you wouldn't be here. Number four, increase the intensity. When's the last time you spiritually challenged yourself? When have you spiritually challenged yourself? If you spend 15 minutes with God, how about spending 20? If you spend five minutes with God, how about adding memorizing scripture? If you memorize scripture, what about memorizing a chapter? 
If you got generosity in your heart, what about being generous more with your time? What about, what, where are you challenging yourself? Because if you just lift 10 pounds your whole life, at some point you're gonna need to move to 15. You're moving to move to 20, on and on it goes. That's how it works. That guy did a million sit-ups before he did a nine-hour plank. I can promise you that. You don't just, hey, I think I'll do a nine-hour plank today. It's not gonna happen. So increase the intensity, abide in Jesus deeper, commit to church more consistency. Are you here twice a month? Well, what would happen if you were here three times a month? What happens if you joined a life Bible study? What happens if you paid attention in church and life Bible study? Right? What if you just prayed another five minutes? What if God did something in your life just a little bit deeper, increased the intensity? And then number five, and I'm going to show you the scripture here on this. This is all on training. Then I'm going to show you this last verse and we're done. And we go to the Lord's Supper. Um, endure with hope in Jesus. Endure with hope in Jesus. Okay? It's found in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 10. He's going to use the phrase living God. And I love this because he also used it in the previous chapter, in verse 15, chapter 3. So Paul's got this in his heart of a living God. In the city of Ephesus, it's filled with idols, statues that they were worshiping. So here's what he says in verse 10. For this reason, we labor and strive. Do you hear training in that? You're just accidental, just fell into it. We labor and strive. Why? Because... We have put our hope in the living God. Not hope in society, not hope in my wishes, not hope in my plan. I put my hope in the living God, who is the Savior of all people. Watch the whole sovereignty and free will get solved right here. Who is the Savior of all people, especially those who believe. So he's saying, I want you to endure with hope. I want you to walk with hope. Once saved, always saved, yes. But I want you to walk with Jesus in passion and heart, realizing that you gotta throw some things away. There's gotta be some elimination and there's gotta be some dedication. And to train in godliness to let the Lord do his work. Salvation is available for every single person and those who trust in Jesus as savior, they receive the benefits of knowing Christ as their savior. And I'm telling you, I have not known him and lived a bunch of wild stuff and I've known him and I don't want to go back because Jesus is better than all the other things that I'm throwing away, trying to throw away, keep throwing away, have thrown away, continuing to train to throw away. I want to walk with God and he is better. And guess what? That lasts forever. These short-term things don't last forever. They last for a moment. Then your friends change, your chapter of life changes, your this changes, whatever changes. And it's, it falls apart. It's built on a foundation of sand. But we in our hearts, filled with the hope of heaven, train and trust for godliness. What a life hack. What a life hack. One promise that changes everything. Now let me close and we're gonna go to the Lord's Supper. Every one of you are gonna go home today and try to do this to your trash can. You're going to think about it when you pull out that trash and you're like, well, might as well try. Well, let me tell you what, I'm sticking with the, this one. That's what I'm doing, right? That's where I am. I'm, I'm born and bred on that one. That's what I've been doing. That's what I'm going to continue to do. Who cares how you put your trash bag in your trash can? Who cares? That's a life hack. So what? 
Who cares about this one? Who thinks this one matters? God does. I do. Jesus does. Your Christian mama, your Christian daddy, your Christian, Christian grandma, your Christian grandpa, they do. Do you? It doesn't matter how you put it in your trash bag, but it does matter who takes out your trash. And his name is Jesus, and he can forgive you of your sins, and he can change your life. And when you and I walk with him, students, listen, it changes everything. Everything for the good. So if you've walked away with a broken heart and open arms, I say, come home. Come home. Someone's broken your heart because they've walked away. You pray for them. You call out to God for them. You get on your face for them. You weep for them. Trust the Lord. But all of us in this moment, with this in mind, the promise of God for the benefits of godliness, we're going to come with that to the Lord's supper table. Can you think of anything better to have in your mind than wow? And I know why. And I partake of it as deep as it can get in my body. God, I want it. And I'm going to walk with you. He's not going to ask you to do a nine-hour plank. But he's going to ask you to trust Jesus for the next nine hours. And the next nine hours. And the, and the, and the, and the, and the. And the cumulative effect of that's going to change your life and rock your world. Father, we come in Jesus' name. We thank you, Lord, that you did send your son for all people in verse 10. And those of us that know you as Savior, we just say, wow, what could be better? We want to throw some things away, Lord. There's some trash in all of our lives. And we want to come to the Lord's Supper table in remembrance of you, that you died for us. You rose for us. Your body was broken for us. Your blood was shed for us. And that's our power. Not our willpower, not a guilt trip. That's our power. That's what holds us in salvation. It's your commitment to us, not our commitment to you. So we pray, Father, to come home if we've been wandering and to keep walking if we've been walking. Take a moment, just you and God, and confess sin, throw some things in the trash can, Just kind of rededicate in the sense of just, Lord, I'm, I'm with you. I'm going. Help me. Take this moment to prepare your heart, and then we'll receive the Lord's Supper in just a moment. Just prepare your heart. Thank you for listening to the teaching ministry of Houston's First Baptist Church. We invite you to worship with us at one of our four locations, at The Loop, Cypress, Downtown, or Siena. Follow us on social media or visit us online at houstonsfirst.org.